Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Brewery Talks, a podcast bringing you the stories behind the beer. This is your host, Nash, and today's episode comes from Palmdale, California. I sat down with the owner and head brewer of Lucky Loop Brewing Company, Brian Schmitz. And I gotta say, Brian Schmitz is a beer guru. He is such a, a great guy and super passionate about beer. And not only is he passionate, he knows so much and has such a wealth of knowledge about beer and the industry and all the above. And in this episode, we kind of tap into some of Brian's knowledge about the industry. We talk about the brewery's growth over the past couple years, as well as the Sierra Nevada Resilience IPA. I was actually lucky enough that Brian let me stay around and actually brew beer with him the rest of the day. And I gotta say, they're putting out some amazing beer right now, from IPAs to stouts to all the above. It's just great beer, and this is a great episode, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Cheers. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brewery Talks Podcast. This is your host, Nash. Pretty awesome episode for you guys today. We're at Lucky Luke Brewing Company in Palmdale, California. Uh, I'm sitting here with the owner, Brian Schmitz. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. How are you doing, everybody? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> so we're in Palmdale. So this is actually my first day ever in Palmdale. Uh, I think you guys brought me here because I found you guys' website, and I was like, when well, we have to go to this place. How would you describe the Palmdale area to somebody who has no idea where Palmdale is? So Palmdale is um, a suburban community outside of L.A. We're about 60 miles north of L.A. Um, it's very much a bedroom community. Uh, a large percentage of people that live here actually work in L.A., and so they'll get up early in the morning, go to work down in L.A., make the treacherous drive back up here. And it's, really? it's yeah, it's, it's one of the challenges, honestly, that we face living up here is that, you know, we're, we're on a bit of an island where, um, you know, convincing people that are doing the daily grind of a long commute, a long day at work and a long commute back to come out on a, on a Wednesday night and have a have a beer and be social. They just want to come home and have dinner and go to bed, man, you Absolutely. know, do it all over again the next day. So. That's one of the challenges that we face, but we're, we're, we're very successful along with the other breweries in town and creating a culture and a community that, you know, bringing, bringing craft beer to an area that is a little bit isolated and, and, you know, cultivating that. It's great. And how far of a drive is that? What kind of commute does that look like? Is that like an hour commute? I mean, realistically, I mean, I traffic, it's, it's right? 60 miles away and, and LA is a big place. So, I mean, you could be going anywhere within LA and <clears throat> uh, no traffic that, that could be... An hour and 15 minutes. It could also be three hours. That'll do it. It's gnarly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. And you guys are Lucky Loop Brewing Company. And the reason why uh, I reached out to you, Brian, was that your guys' website is super family-oriented, super like community-oriented, and starting first with your guys' name, Lucky Luke. So Luke was my great-grandfather. Um, I spent a ton of time with him growing up. <clears throat> he was, he was uh, post-depression born raised on a ranch in texas with like nine siblings and they did anything and everything you can imagine to 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 live life back then and so i spent a ton of time with them when i was a kid my great-grandparents retired early from aerospace and and my parents went to work at a young age and so i spent as a natural babysitter with them so (laughs) they uh i took i was with them a ton and they told me they taught me a lot about you know old world work ethic and you know, uh, old world, you know, techniques of getting things done. My grandpa had a workshop back there and I learned how to work with my hands at a young age and, and how to fix things. And, um, it was, he was tremendously influential in my life. And so we thought we'd build this place as a tribute to him. And, and honestly, I couldn't be happier. I think the way we've built it is very much of a, a craftsman kind of handyman type of way. Um, I could show you some things in the tap room, like, 
our tables at the table bases are actually um, pieces off of a, a disc tractor for disking farmland. That's the base. And then above that is a, a bollard. It's a piece of Schedule 40 steel pipe that you normally put in the ground to protect like a electrical transformer or something. We hand built all of our tabletops. Our, all of our tap handles are old tools that we, we welded ferrules on so we could mount them to the faucets. And we take a very much kind of hands-on craftsman type of you know, approach with things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely got that vibe. And I was only in the tap room for about like three minutes before this, but I'm sure I'll be in it after this. Of but I'm um, just coming through real quick. I was like, wow, I did see a lot. I was even appreciating some of the, like, the art you guys had on the wall. Thanks. And, uh, the various things. It's a cool we, atmosphere. We try to support local, you know, artisans, local workers as much as possible. The the photography, the, the prints that we have in there from a local photographer that goes out into into the local desert and junkyards and things like that and he takes really unique pictures of things that you know wouldn't normally catch someone else's eye but it, it creates a pretty cool image and and it's mechanical it's you know it's rustic it's it's uh old, you know piles of bumpers and that sort of thing and that fits our vibe we, we are rustic you know and we're we're uh you know, we, we we come to work every day in work boots and you know <laughs> you guys you guys phrase was is rustic and adventurous ales correct yeah so we do uh i, I we tend towards traditional styles of beers and so that's where we come up with what the rustic portion is yeah we we build a lot of stuff by hand we're you know we're very hands-on we like to support local people and artisans and workers as much as possible and um we're very diy with as much as we can and and um we also like old world styles so you'll find you know porters and stouts and and pilsners and we we've done um you know, uh, uh, we're looking at doing a Roush beer and a lot of the styles that are old world and, and not necessarily um, well represented in today's beer world. But we also do a lot of the other stuff as well. We do hazy IPAs and we do, you know, uh, sour beers and we do everything under the sun, to be honest <laughs> with you, man. We, we don't shy away from anything, really. We, we, we don't do a whole lot of adjunct beers. We do every now and then, but... Um, it's it's mostly pretty traditional, pretty old world styles. Now what now what exactly is an adjunct beer? An adjunct beer in the beer world is something where you're going to add a non traditional beer ingredient, right? So a food ingredient, um, like you can do like a watermelon flavored, you know, this or that. And so that's we we try not to add too much food ingredients to what we do. Um, we like beer flavored beer. <laughs> and so we want the beer to be the focal point. And then if we make the beer and, and typically we'll make a, a beer on its own. And then after it's made, we're like, man, this would be great with coffee or man, like chocolate or, you know, something that would complement the beer. And then the next time we brew it, we'll come out with it again with this variant or that variant or okay, something. Okay. And so that's what we refer to as an adjunct beer is when you add some sort of non-traditional beer ingredient. So anything that's kind of strength from like the German purity... Of like the four or yeah, five ingredients. I mean, we certainly don't. We don't subscribe to the Reinheitsgebot in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's beers that have lactose in it. There's beers that have. Um, you know, we, we've got one on tap right now. It's a churro inspired beer. It's got cinnamon and and graham okay. crackers, and you know, so uh, there, there really, honestly, isn't too much of a like a Rein, like we're going to be super hardcore and only Reinheitsgebot, you know, laws, but. Um, but we try to stay traditional as much as possible and only because to be honest with you, we want to brew beers that we like to drink and, and we like to brew and drink refreshing, you know, beer flavored beers. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of brewing beer, we should note that you are literally brewing beer as we speak, like uh, behind you, your brewing assistant, correct? Is brewing beer. 
Right. So Oscar and Tanner are back there doing the hard work that I, I had signed up to do earlier today. But because of the podcast, I, <laughs> we're keeping them on staff for a bit so we can get this taken care of so I don't have to uh, jump out of the way and get it done. But, yeah, they're back there mashing in right now and, and getting ready to get the brew started. And which beer is this? Yeah, are, you, are, you, are you allowed to say? Oh, of course. Yeah, this is Astrolux. So this is a golden ale um, that we did in collaboration with one of our favorite bands. So something that is not immediately apparent in our tap room is that... Um, I grew up listening to rock and roll and, and then uh, evolved into listening to like punk rock music. Nice. I was like a dirt bike, you know, punk rock, skateboard, snowboard type of kid. And what's funny is Oscar, our other brewer, is uh, he actually uh, is the lead guitarist and singer in a punk rock band that travels the country once a year and they go play gigs all over the country. And so um, Strung Out is one of our most favorite punk rock bands and the opportunity came around to make a beer with them just through some random networking connections that we had and we reached out to them and they were like, man, we would love to sit down and make a beer and it was like dream come true for us. So now, yeah, we make Astrolux. It's one of our biggest selling beers and we just couldn't be more excited to have worked with such amazing musicians and such a influence in our life so that we hold this beer dear to our hearts man <laughs> and so okay so the collaboration with strung out strung out is actually the band yeah strung out's the band uh they're a punk rock band that's been around for almost 30 years now um so really uh like a pioneer in the punk rock world and and uh we're self-aware enough to know that that isn't like mainstream like a lot of people won't know that band but we're hoping to bring awareness to more people and also tie together their fans with craft beer you know if we can get more punk rockers to shy away from pbr and and come to a, a craft beer then i mean that's that's just great for everybody you know that's a really cool concept i've never thought about it like that <laughs> i feel like an idiot i wrote down notes uh thinking before i came here that that was a brewery it's like oh they did a collaboration with strong <laughs> brewery i didn't realize it was a band um we've done we've done some collaborations with um some you know the music collaboration has been pretty common i mean you have belching beaver you have um iron maiden you have um Oh shoot! No effects to beer with stone. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of. It's it's been kind of a trend lately. And the good thing about this is it's totally organic. We were brewing one day, and because Oscar's in the punk rock world, he's like, "Hey man, um, I took guitar lessons from the guitarist from Strung Out. Maybe we should contact him and see if they'd be interested in doing a beer." And I'm like, "How long have you worked here? And you know that I'm a huge fan of that <laughs> that band. It's taken you this long to bring this up. Yeah, yeah. Literally four days later, we're at Jake's house and we're trying beers to figure out what it is." you know, we could have in common what type of beer that we wanted to brew. And we landed on this golden ale that's just amazingly refreshing. We bumped up the alcohol to make it, you know, have a bit of a punch. And, and um, it's a fantastic beer. It's super refreshing. And it's been, it's resonated like crazy. It's, it's a very successful beer for us. And so it's a very organic way that it all came about. And that's what makes it so neat. It's not like it was brokered like, oh, hey, we know so-and-so and they want to make a beer. Um, you know, what's, what, what kind of deal can you offer? Like, it was nothing like that at all. And that's what makes it so fun, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> it's cool. Um, it's, it's a dream come true, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. That's, and what's the ABV on it? You said you bumped it up a little bit? 6.1. For a gold nail, that's, that's a little strong. You know, yeah, normally absolutely. they're in the, the high fours, low fives, mid fives maybe. But, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun making this one. And, and, and working with those guys is amazing. They, they are truly hardworking you know like blue collar guys like us they're, they're out there working their ass off to support their families and 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 build the brand and and they're you know having that in common with them has been amazing it's it's been great and so we also collaborated with some friends of ours that own a local barbershop and they're just friends of really? ours we've had forever and i take my son there to get his haircut as you can see i don't need any haircuts <laughs> there's nothing nothing growing up there anymore but um 
So we collaborated with them. They really liked uh, like a wit beer style beer. So we came up with the recipe. We had them over to brew the beer and we put it on tap and everyone loved it. I mean, it went like crazy. And so it's a really cool, refreshing beer. It's, it's a traditional, you know, wit beer. We call it an American wit beer, which is kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's cool because so bo- all these the people that we collaborate with kind of embody really what we like to put out there in the world is that, um, you know, we respect and appreciate cr- true uh, talented crafts people within their trade. And, and and if you met the guys from the chop shop, the barbershop that we collaborated with on this wit beer, you'd see that these guys live this life. I mean, they, they live to be barbers. They're, they're just, you know, you won't meet anyone else that is that passionate about what they do. And the same thing was strung out. These guys are extremely talented musicians who have, who have, honed their skills over years and years and they they've invested their whole lives and they travel the world doing it and 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 it's it's amazing to be surrounded by people that are that passionate i think that drives our passion a ton and that's why we collaborate with guys like that absolutely i mean and anyone who owns a brewery puts it all on the line you know you guys have the passion yeah. you guys come from the same thing which is why i love the podcast because i love i get to sit down with people like you who right. are just like full-on committed to the beer where i'm like hey you want to talk about it for half an hour and they're like yeah let's do it absolutely man we're brimming with it so you know we um no, like we shared, it's 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 you got to put it all on the line. It's it's um, I I had a, a successful career in construction project management before this, and and really came to the conclusion that that, that just wasn't for me. And and the artistic expression, um, the just the hard work and and everything that goes into the pride that goes into doing this was well worth it. And so, small business is not for the meek at heart. I mean, it's it's it takes a ton a ton of work, and you got to be truly committed and. There are some days that make you want to not do it at all, but you power through those. And, and the days that are amazing are more plentiful than those that aren't. And, and that's the true benefit. You know, to, to make something from scratch, I tell people this. You, you take something that's made from raw ingredients. You hand it over the bar. And on the other end, there's someone smiling. And they take a drink and they look at you. They go, man, that's, that's great. I love that. There is nothing better in the world. There's nothing more gratifying than making someone's day with something that you made from scratch. And, and that's where I think the art of it all comes in and the gratification on our side of like, man, we poured our heart and soul into this and someone out there appreciates it. And hopefully not just someone, but a lot of people really appreciates <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah. And, and loves it. And, and that is, that's what drives us, you know? Yeah. And you said before this, you were working in construction, um, <clears throat> And you told me, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but off air you told me you were home brewing. Uh-huh. Um, so was the home brewer just like really good? And you're like, you know, we got to take this to the next level. Or was it like well, the first couple of batches of home brew? Um, a little, if, so I, the, the main reason why I asked this question, which I've said it before in other podcasts, that like my home brew all came out like garbage. And I want to hope that one day I can do something in the beer industry. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be totally humble and honest with you. My home, my home brew, especially when it first started, was horrible. It was, <laughs> okay. but, but the thing is, just like anything else, it, 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 if you're the if you're the type of person like I am where you want to uh, constantly looking for knowledge and like thirsty for knowledge. And that's really where, what drove me towards this. I don't know that you could ever really know it all. I mean, there's so much more to learn about beer. You couldn't ever really be a true brewmaster in my eyes. There's just so much more to learn. And so that thirst for that knowledge kept me going with homebrewing. And, uh, yeah, the first couple of batches were horrendous, like borderline drinkable. And, um, over time, you know what I mean, with uh, trial and error and, and really bouncing ideas off of my, my friends who were homebrewing far better than I was and professional brewers. We, we honed our skills and, and then um, 
and then started a brewery and it was just the craziest concept at that point. And looking back now, I look at like where we started and where we are now. It's, it's been a tremendous amount of growth and had knowing what I know now, if I was an investor and looking at where we started, I'd probably be like, "Mm, nice try kid. But, but no, (laughs) um, but you know, we powered through it and there's, there's, there's always lessons learned. There's always things that you're like, well, that wasn't a good idea. Let's try something else, you know? Um, but the constant quest for, for knowledge and, and improvement certainly got us to the point where I'm extremely proud with where we're at and we've come a long way and, and I think we're making some real world-class beers. That's incredible. Thanks. The, the one thing you mentioned before, which I w- actually I want to ask about, was you said that some days it's like, oh, got to like, you know, do this thing. Do you yeah. find that being in your role as, you know, the brewer and the owner, et cetera, is, does it still feel like work every day or are some days where like it really is like, dang it? Or is it like every day, like, I'm brewing kick-ass beer for people? <laughs> this is going to sound stupid, but I, I honestly, um, just like just like the guys in the band uh, in Strung Out and just like the, the barbershop, like, we live this life. And so three years into it, and for, for good or for bad, um, I, I wake up involuntarily every morning at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, my head spinning with ideas and concepts and and the things that are going to help us improve and what we need to improve. And, and, and I'm, I'm motivated by this, this thing I really can't explain. I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm so into this. I'm, I'm so in love with it that it's almost like you can't control it. And I think, to be honest with you, that's the mark of kind of like finding your true calling is like, I don't know why I need to be live this life and, and work this many hours and, and be this involved in it. But for some reason you do and 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 no i i don't have those in construction uh, as much as i loved it and invested into it I, I got to a point where i was like i i can't do this anymore and in the three years we've been doing this and there's been some hard days and there's been a tremendous amount of great days i've never once thought i can't do this anymore i I'd never once had that and it's only been three years um but i i can say with where we're at right now and the growth that we're seeing, I don't think that day is ever going to come. I, I think, uh, I think what we get out of this, the, the joy we get out of this is just something that, um, I, I'm hoping to work until I can't work anymore and then hand it off to my kids and, and watch them grow it to, to sizes that I could never imagine, you know? Wow. That's like an, an inspirational answer. That was, oh, that was thanks. Great. I appreciate that. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. <laughs> so, the beer we're drinking right now, this is the Resilience yep. IPA, correct? Uh-huh. So yep. some of you may know what this is, but this has a huge story behind it. You want to dive into what this, what this beer means? So this beer came as a concept out of Sierra Nevada, who we admire greatly in California. They are, you know, they're a major inspiration to every brewer in California. I mean, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is, is probably everyone's, like, go-to or, or the beer that got you into craft beer to begin with. And so they're huge are tremendously um, just giving and they're just they're a great brewery, a great inspiration. So what happened was um, the town of Paradise, which is just on the other side of the freeway from this here Nevada brewery in Chico, um, the town burned down substantially. Like 80% of the town burned down. This this called the campfire. And um, so Sierra Nevada came, they sent out an email and they said, hey, uh, you know, we're going to brew this beer. We're going to donate 100% of the proceeds and not the net, the gross. I mean, every dollar that we make, regardless of cost, is going to go to benefit this. And anyone that wants to jump in will support you guys with tap panels and marketing. And, and here's the recipe. They just sent out the recipe to everyone. 
And um, so you just had to like email them and say, "Hey, I'm interested," and they're like, "Here you go. Here's like your." We package. sent an email and we said, "Yeah, we'd love to do it. We'd we'd love to support the cause. We think what you guys are doing is super noble, and and this is a California town, and you know, this is a bunch of people that that lost." an immeasurable amount of, of, of wealth. And I mean, 80% of their town burnt down a large portion of our hospital burned down schools. And I mean, life can't really continue without dramatic changes in these people's lives. And that's something that touches our hearts. You know, that's something that, you know, beer, beer, we like to say brings community together. And, and if it, I can't imagine a better cause, right? So they sent out this email. It's like a no brainer. Sure. We'll do it. And they go, okay, cool we're going to work with the grain and hop suppliers and see if we can't get a better deal for you or something. And the grain and hop suppliers said, okay, we'll, we'll one up that we'll say, okay, here's all this stuff for free. Even and we thought, Oh man, I mean, how much better does that get here? Here you have the, the beer community saying, okay, let's all join together. Let's all bring all of our, what, whatever we have available to us together to make this happen for these people. And so, and we jumped on board and, uh, we brewed the beer. We stayed true. A lot of, a lot of breweries have been changing the recipe a little bit to kind okay. of suit their styles that are, you know, keep, keep it kind of consistent with how they wrote their breweries. And, and that's certainly respectable. We stayed true to the style. We brewed it per their recipe. And honestly, I really like it. It's kind of like a flashback style of beer where it's got some caramel malts in it, but it is an IPA. Um, came across super clean. We really enjoy the beer. It's been my go-to for a bit, uh, since we brewed it. And uh, and I enjoy it. It's it's a cool beer. It's not. Uh, it's got a lot going on. So it's a cool beer. It's for a great cause. And uh, and yeah, we just um, we enjoy being a part of it. And then and then all the money you get from the beer you send back to like a charity or back to Sierra Nevada. How does that so, back end work? So Sierra Nevada set up a um, excuse me. Sierra Nevada set up a five hundred one c three. They set they set up a, a fund that we can that we're going to send the money to that we make off this beer. And it's not like I said, not just net, but like every dollar we actually sell this beer for for five dollars a pint. All five of those dollars go to that fund and go to those people. And and whatever insurance doesn't kick in for those guys, then the fund helps you know support that. So what Sierra Nevada has done is is admirable. It's um it's they're just a great leader in our beer community, and uh, and we're very very proud to support it. Absolutely. That's like, that's the story of the whole thing. I mean, Sierra Nevada, the beer community, the beer, you just spilled a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, I'm new. (laughs) um, But, uh, yeah, the whole thing is just, it's something out of like a fairy tale. Like, it's so It's inspiring, man. And, you know, coming from uh, the construction industry, and and you said you came from engineering industry, and you just don't find that in that. I mean, sure, there's some benevolence, and and people support their charities that are close to their hearts. But, I mean, we literally got an email, and some of the people that we look up to tremendously were like, hey, we're going to do this, and if you'd like to jump on board, we'd love to have you be a part of it. And we're like, yeah, sure, let's do this. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And over the next couple of weeks, they were like, man, 1,400-plus breweries are involved in this. And we're thinking... Holy crap, man! Th- this is this has grown to be something that, as it grows, we're more and more proud to be a part of because this is not just an initiative. This is a movement. You know, this is huge, and 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 some people are going to get some well needed support for something that is just tragic for these people. I mean, I think about if myself or my family is involved, and, and if a, an industry, some industry out there was like, "Hey, man, we're gonna we're gonna send you like." I don't know. Who knows what it's going to be? 14, 40 million dollars or something like who knows what that number looks like. But just could you imagine, you know what I mean? If that was that yourself yeah. and, and here comes this industry to the rescue and doing whatever they can. It's, it's phenomenal. And I mean, even Sierra Nevada, um, when it happened, they, they were welcoming people in from paradise who were, who were fleeing to Chico 
because that's the next, next closest town. Okay. And they were bringing people into the pub and saying, here's a free meal and here's some beer. And, you know, they, I mean, on site, they were just doing a tremendous amount for these people. And Holy so, cow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an inspiration for all of us. And, and that's really how the world should work, right? Yeah. And people are in need, people that have the ability to come to the rescue. And, that, and yeah. that's, you know, that's, we feel like, again, just tremendously grateful to be able to be a part of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for making this beer. That's such yeah. a great cause and everything about it. And it's breweries nationwide, right? So anybody listen to us on the East Coast, West Coast, West Coast No Coast. Yeah, you're going to find it. Yeah. You're going to find it all over. There's, uh, I don't know what the final count is, but last I heard it was more than 1,400 breweries around the country. And there's something like over 7,000, I think approaching 8,000 breweries in the country. So there's a pretty good chance that a brewery near you is going to have this beer. Oh, pardon us. we got to get a CO2 <laughs> delivery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, the noises in the background are not just like uh, me adding add, adding noises and uh, <laughs> for post processing. They're literally brewing beer behind us. We're just sitting in the middle on a little pop up table and just drinking a beer. I think we got the better. I think we have the better job here. Uh, I'm, I got the best vantage point right here. We can see all the folks getting ready to open up the tap room. We got the brewers doing their work and. I was supposed to be brewing this batch of beer, but here I get to drink beer and talk to you. I think it's, I'm just sitting here looking around, watching everyone get some good work done. This is great. I mean, we're already we're already 25 minutes in yet. We haven't even dived like too much into your guys' setup or the beer and everything like that. So you guys, I see just by that logo there, you guys have the Portland Kettleworks setup here. Yeah. So we got some amazing equipment, and right off the bat, we knew that we wanted to uh, fulfill or further whatever you want to call it, Luke's legacy. He was a he was a veteran and just a basically a, a patriot in my eyes. Right. So he loved. Um, supporting anything American made because he 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 was he saw this country pick itself up from his bootstraps right after the depression and he was a part of it. He's a hard worker and he believed in it. And so we bought American made equipment and we believe that would have made him proud. He's not with us anymore, but we think he's he's smiling down on us for the fact that you know we preach drink local, right? And there's a certain part of us that feels like it's a little bit um of an issue morally for us to say, hey, come support our business. But the businesses we're supporting aren't supporting other local businesses, right? So we try to we try to walk that walk and say, hey, we're going to support locally made stuff. And, and if you guys can support us, then it all has this cool cyclical pattern of we all benefit from it. It, it, it seems a little odd to us say, hey, support local because you're supporting local people. But by the way, we're going to go get stuff made in China. Yeah. Right. So, so that's what we did, and we love our equipment. We're very proud to say it's American-made, um, and uh, and yeah, it's 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 a really cool, big, shiny object that we're super proud of, <laughs> and it's growing. It's growing. We just bought a we just bought a um, a brew pub that uh, unfortunately closed, and we'll be expanding our operations significantly uh, with a lot of the equipment they've got and the restaurant and all that stuff. And so we're really, really excited about our second location. Oh, so you're going to keep their equipment and just brew beer Absolutely. over there as well. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of, we'll bring it together. We're going to bring four of those tanks. Excuse me. We're going to bring four of those tanks from that location over here. Cause we have a lot more room here. That's, that's a, a traditional old school brew pub where it's a very small workspace with a lot of stuff jammed in it. And, um, uh, and then the kitchen, of course. So it's a, it's a it's a working old school brew pub model. So we're going to try to freshen that up and bring a really cool Lucky Luke perspective to it. And we're going to bring a bunch of that equipment over here to help us bump up our production here to support both places. And okay. So and then then the goal is just to keep 
just to keep building those that model. We're going to keep opening up more tap rooms and spreading Lucky Luke brand all over. And you guys are doing a lot of sustainable brewing, right? You guys have, like, I was reading online, you guys' website, with the water, you guys have making yeah. it in some way that you can... Well, so, I mean, every brewery is pretty much set up to where your process water for cooling. So after boil, you want to cool the wort down. You do that through the process of a chiller, which runs groundwater across one side of a plate and wort across the other side. And it zigzags through there, and then you get cool wort on the other end. But the problem is we live in the high desert, and, and during the summer, our water could be you know, mid seventies, whereas we need it to be in the low to mid sixties. And so what we do is, well, let me back up a little bit. That water ends up, we collect it into our hot liquor tank, which then becomes beer after that. Oh, right. So okay. we don't ever want to run water down the drain. Water is a, a, just an extremely precious resource that we just can't afford to run clean water down the drain. That's, you know, and that's, and that's another model that Sierra Nevada, I think puts forward for us. They, you know, they, they recycle as they have a, a water processing plant on site and they process their cleaning water and then turn it into more cleaning water. They harvest their CO2 and, and then, and then reuse that later in the process. So we take that lead and we try to do as much of the same thing as we can. Our gly, our, our chiller has a glycol loop through it. So we're actually able to run glycol, which we use for cooling our fermenters. We run a certain amount of plates of water on our chiller and then there's a certain amount of plates of glycol that runs after that so we can make one pass through there and get to yeast pitch temperature right on the first turn without having to uh, run more groundwater through there so it's it's very efficient in that way and so we're we're proud to say that we we're conserving as much groundwater as we can yeah absolutely especially like I said in the desert are yeah. those, I mean precious resource there's, man there's like Joshua trees right across the street are, are those Joshua trees that they look pretty damn like them Oh yeah, so our our main logo is a Joshua tree, and we took that from one of the trees right outside. If you sit in our tap room, you look out that front window, you'll see just wide open field, and just, just Joshua trees littered with Joshua trees. It's 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 a for us, it's a beautiful sight. For a lot of people, a desert isn't their ideal, you know, <laughs> vantage point. But for us, we we find a lot of beauty in it. It's we're born and raised here, and so th- that's where we, you know, that's our home. And yeah. so the Joshua tree, I think, really embodies, it anchors us to this spot. It establishes us in this place, and, uh, and, and I love it. And so, yeah, you'll find that exact logo, the thing that is on all of our stuff, uh, right outside our window right there. And I brought that up because me being a stubborn East Coaster, um, <laughs> I mean, I was at Joshua Tree National Park just this morning, and that's two and a half hours that way. And uh-huh. Uh, I'd like, oh, these are the only place you can see Joshua trees. And then I drive like right up to you guys' brewery. I'm like, you got to be kidding <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, right across the street. <laughs> yeah. Right here. <laughs> yeah, so we're in one of the unique places in the world that actually has Joshua trees, and we're very proud of them. They're, they're, they're a very awkward kind of cactus-like thing, but they're, they're a beautiful formation, and, and there's very few places in the world where they grow, so we're proud to have them here, and we're proud to identify ourselves with it. Yeah, and perfect for the logo, considering the whole, like, across the street is just filled with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then beer. So you mentioned before that you guys are brewing all sorts of beer. You sours, barrel-aged beer, you got, yeah. you know, IPAs, you got hazy ones. Yeah. Um, what are kind of the flagships that you guys are carrying at all times? Like, if someone's coming in here, obviously they can find a whole array of beers, but is there some that will always be there? So we, we really like to challenge ourselves. We really want to think outside the box, and that's actually what kind of got us in the hazy IPA thing. We, we were, when, the, when the trend first came out, when those beers first started to come out, we are like, eh, 
really know if that's something we're into. And, and the more we looked at it and the more we did some research, we thought, okay, this could, there's some learning that could happen here. There's some growth that could happen here. And it forced us to think outside the box from a water chemistry standpoint, from a yeast management standpoint, from uh, just honestly everything that goes into that style of beer requires you to step outside the box. It requires you to, to think about beer differently. And for that reason, I can appreciate it immensely because – it's very easy to get caught up in the you know, production side of, of making beer. And the fun part is the innovation. The fun part is learning and, yeah. and, and growing. And, and so the beers that we make are, while they may be traditionally rooted, for the most part, and we learn how, okay, we're going to make a Roush beer, like a, like a, you know, a smoked, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, this gnarly beer that not too many people even really know about. But that causes you to go, okay, well, you know, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to execute this thing in a way that is still drinkable and enjoyable? And our goal is to kind of, I don't want to say reinvigorate, but at least like explore those styles and pay homage to those styles that don't get really any attention while at the same time saying, okay, cool, we're going to do a hazy beer. We're going to do, and we're going to, we're going to learn a ton and think about and execute how to do a really well done barrel aged sour beer that takes a year to mature and, and and properly execute, uh, barrel aged stouts we do, and you'll find, you'll find Porters and pale ales and IPAs and blondes and colches and, and everything in between the, the whole rainbow of of the craft beer spectrum and that's really I think the exploration of that is where the adventurous part comes in for us and the rustic and adventurous sales so um, hopefully never quit learning hopefully never quit you know uh, thinking about how we can make um, how we can take what history has presented us with and what we love so much about traditional beer mm-hmm. and maybe throwing an interesting spin on it or maybe just saying, hey, this is the perfect example of a Czech Pilsner that you could ever find, right? Like this just embodies the style so perfectly we would never change it, right? So there's there's, a, there's different motivations there, I guess. So like let's go wild or let's go crazy traditional. Okay. And then, you know, all that being said, if you could choose one of the beers that you've ever brewed, which uh, one would, would you pick as like, a go-to, like one of your favorites. Um, to be honest with you, Astrolux is great because it's just a really drinkable golden ale. It's okay. very refreshing. Um, I go back to our our Lucky Luke IPA frequently because it's you know we made. Okay, when you think about an IPA you're going to make that you're going to make for years to come, and you want it to be your. This is your IPA that you put the brewery name on. That is what the definition of a West Coast IPA should be. So that's. Kind of my go-to. Um, anytime we have a saison on tap, I'm like, "Yep, that's my beer. That's the <laughs> one. That's refreshing." Um, and then we do uh, two, three times a year. We do a, a German pilsner that's uh, we dry hop uh, with traditional German hops, and it's called Chronologist. And it is, it's the most refreshing beer you could ever have. It's it's fantastic. And so I, I think I kind of gravitate more towards the middle of the road alcohol, super light and refreshing type of beers. Um, and I think a lot of that's because, and you'll find it, I think, as a trend, is a lot of brewers are realizing that, it, you know, to truly exhibit the skill of a brewer, you got to brew a beer where there's nothing to hide behind. You know, you don't have this you know, huge sour punch or just crazy hot bitterness, aroma, and flavor. There's, like, it's literally, like, very subtle um, malt arrangement. It's a very gentle touch of the right hops at the right time. The yeast expression is such that it was nurtured through the fermentation at the right temperature. And it's just, and the water chemistry was nailed on point. And, and that sort of thing, I think is, you know, at a certain point you go, man, props to this guy. This, this beer is so well executed. There's nothing to hide behind and everything's exposed. Yeah. And you're standing there going, 
I can't find a flaw in this thing. This is this is a fantastic beer, and that to me is ideal. It's it's just great. As a brewer, I think I have a little bit different you know outlook on it. I want to see the true skill of a brewer exhibited in the beer that I'm drinking. You know, absolutely. And that's <laughs> so great that you said that because literally last week I was talking to Brian Helton of Helton Brewing Company mm-hmm. in uh, Phoenix, and his exact quote. Uh, or, or, kind of exact quote was like you can hide a dead cat in like a super hazy ipa absolutely but it's like with a pilsner that kind of shows what they got and yeah. since he said that i've been like going to bars or like going to brews i'm like i'll take the pilsner and yeah like, usually that'd be the last beer i'd get yeah. but now i'm like wow i gotta start appreciating these beers because this is like kind of showing what they could bring to the table well and you will find in a well done or well, in a poorly done pilsner you will find um uh, yeast expression that doesn't belong there for yeast, uh, poor yeast management. You will find um, water chemistry issues. You will find uh, a heavy-handed hop addition that just doesn't belong. You, I mean, the little nuances um, is and is what makes it what it is. And and there's just nothing to hide behind, like like Brian said. And so I, I find that it's so cool to find those beers where you're like, man, this guy. This is like the simplest beer on the whole entire menu. But the beauty in that is that this brewer probably put more effort into that beer than he did in that crazy, you know, triple dry hopped, you know, <laughs> hazy IPA or, or you know, I don't know. I, I feel like those are the beers that we baby the most. And when they come out crisp and clean and, and just embodying exactly what you want out of that style, whether it's a, a Hellas Lager, a Vienna Lager, a, a Czech Pilsner, um, you know, when you find that one where you're like, man this guy put some effort into this thing that's it's truly inspiring you know and and i think uh i think that's where we're going to see a lot of growth in this industry to be honest with you as brewers really going okay let's get to basics let's get to let's get to brass tacks and figure out how to make the most perfect perfect simple beer because like you said just like your buddy brian said you could throw anything you could throw just about anything in those beers (laughs) and you could hide it you know what i mean and as long as it it tastes you know it's it has those characteristics um, you know, pe- people enjoy it, and and good for them. That's what the market wants. That's that's how the free market works, right? Yeah. Pe- people people vote with their dollars and say, "Hey, this is what I want." And us as brewers, we go, "Okay, how do we make that happen for you?" And where I said, you know, it, it didn't that style didn't really strike us at first. We've we've learned to love it from the standpoint that it forced us to to grow and be better brewers and come out with a style that satisfies that demand. And it's something that we truly enjoy because, like, man, we really know what goes into this thing. This is an entirely different way of thinking as far as brewing beer. Yeah. And then, I mean, Brian was also saying how, like, he needs those, like, light drinkable beers because, you know, he's a brewer. He can't be chugging a 7% IPA <laughs> while he's brewing in the morning or whatever. He's like, I need that beer I can just drink the other day as I'm brewing. And It's funny because we get tons of people like, man, it must be great to be a brewer because you just get to drink beer all day long. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, but this is hard. This is a lot of work, man. And it's hard physical labor. It, mentally, you're always multitasking. and But, I mean... If you're a brewer, you made the beer, and it's on tap right outside the other side of that door in the tap room. You're like, you know what? I, it's been a while since I've tried that beer. I need to do some QC. I'm going to go check that thing out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You, you, that That is a beautiful perk. Uh, but he's right in that, you know, it would be the biggest bummer in the world to be a brewer and look out that window into the tap room and go, yeah, I'm not really interested in anything that's out there. That That would be the point where I go, you know what? I've had enough of this. And so the goal for us 
is to never be at that point, right? To, to always be thinking outside the box, to always be improving in our processes, to always be perfecting the recipes little by little and, and narrowing it down to the point where we're making the best world-class beer that could ever exist in our eyes. And, and the beautiful part about that, going back to what I said originally about art, is that that's our interpretation of it. When we make, when I say the best Czech Pilsner that we could possibly interpret from that style, that's our interpretation. And someone else may look at it and say, you know, it's got this or that thing that I don't like. And that's inevitable. It's going to happen. Can't please everybody. But joy we get from that, that first pull off of that tank, we're pulling it off the Zwickel valve and we're like, yep, man, it doesn't <laughs> get any better than that. Uh, that's what keeps us going. You yeah. Know? And then I think if you ever do get to the point where you're like, Hey, I don't want any of those beers. You can just brew a new style that you've never even tried before. And be like, Oh, let's just dive in to learn how to make it. I hope a- I never get to that point. Man. <laughs> I hope I never get to the point where I look out and I'm like, no, I don't really want any of that stuff. I'm going to open up someone else's beer. Like, I, I enjoy, don't get me wrong, I enjoy um, tasting all of my friends' beers. And we get tons and tons of friends in Southern California that are brewing beer. And I, and I would love, you know, I, I really enjoy catching inspiration and seeing what everyone else is up to. But I would be really bummed if that was the only, my only option because I didn't like what we had on tap here. And so if, if that ever happened, then we've lost sight of the goal. You know, and, and the, so the goal is brew beers that you love to drink, keep your inspiration, and, and keep growing. You know, that's, that's really what I think the, the, just the soul of what we're doing. That's well put. That's, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Brian went to get me another beer and the beer he got me is just a wild beer, just a, <laughs> a punch of flavor. And the story behind it's even crazier. So this is a Russian Imperial stout, mm-hmm. but I'm not even going to try to say it. Some with marshmallows okay. in the barrels. So we talked about adjuncts earlier and how we rarely do it. But when we do, we want to make sure that it's something that complements the beer. And so we had this uh, bourbon barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stout that we do every year. We age it in bourbon barrels for a year. And so um, every year when we're getting ready to package it up, we, we sit down, we pull nails, we take samples of all the different barrels, and we say, okay, this percentage of this barrel, this percentage of this barrel, we come up with our final blend. And in the process of doing that, we thought, man, this would be cool to throw something complimentary at. Because we had the opportunity to taste this right out of the barrels and go, there's some cool stuff we could throw at this that would just make a really, really fun beer. And so the idea of marshmallows got wrought up. And I go, okay, I'll do you one better. How about this? We emptied the barrels, threw it in the tank once we got the final blend taken care of. We took the empty barrels, one of the empty barrels, we broke it down, chopped it up in pieces, threw it in a fire pit. We roasted marshmallows over the barrel staves that the beer was aged in and then put the roasted marshmallows in the beer and it came out magical it's what happened because you have the smoky characteristic of the beer you have the bourbon you have this dark roast and it just all works so nicely and uh yeah it's it's a fun it's a really fun beer definitely a fun beer and a boozy beer and dangerously yeah. boozy it's like yeah. super easy i asked <laughs> if it was on nitros because i'm like this is like so smooth and <laughs> yeah 10 uh, percent russian imperial stout uh aged in bourbon barrels for a year and has got the the cool uh toasted marshmallow uh accoutrement <laughs> absolutely and <clears throat> i mentioned that i'm like yeah i bet you didn't expect to be roasted marshmallows that day at work but you said every friday you guys just kind of have a little hoot nanny outside and yeah so just about every friday um, we'll, we'll throw a, a table out and, and get the barbecue out and, and all the guys in the back will do burgers or sausages or something on the grill. It just gives us all a chance to kind of kick back at the end of the week and, and just kind of recap the week and, and have some fun and, and then head into the weekend on a good note, you know, and then we start the next weekend strong. So I think bringing all the guys together and, and having that is great. Um, it, it just kind of increases our, 
you know, uh, the, the time that we all have together and, and the enjoyment of this whole process. And so, yeah, it's, it's beers and burgers every Friday. <laughs> beers and burgers every Friday. Jeez. I might <laughs> give you my resume before I leave. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Um, so, and speaking to you, one thing I wanted to bring up was that uh, you guys, so you were part of the brewer, Brewing Enthusiasts of Antelope Valley Region, which is a homebrew yeah. club. So the, the Beaver Group, the Brewers and Brewing Enthusiasts of the Antelope Valley Region, is a, is a great group of guys that I learned a ton. And if it wasn't for those guys, you know, I, I don't think I could ever made this happen. It's just, it's a great forum for brewing stuff taking it to a bunch of really critical a-holes that are like, no nah, man, your beer's horrible. You need to do something different. And, uh, and to have that candid feedback as funny as it is and, and as fraternal as that is, or you're going to catch a hard time, no matter how good your beer is, is really important to any brewer. Um, there's just no better way to really refine your skills than being part of a homebrew club. So Beaver was instrumental in my early days of figuring out what was right and wrong and if you listen to any of those it's all all any of those guys that are still in the club it's all still wrong and that's great that's that's what they're for you know and, um they're, they're a great group of guys we host them as much time as we can they, they do their um once a month they do their homebrew club meeting and we host them here where they have a you know a chance to bring in that many people into a space so it's it's cool 30 guys back here drinking homebrew once a month you know <laughs> that's cool and Along with that, you also you wear, you're, you're wearing the shirt for the Brewers Guild of LA. Uh huh. Yeah. So what's that? What's so that the LA Brewers Guild is also incredibly instrumental in our success um, and every brewer's success in the LA area. Um, so LA County has a really strong guild, and it's run by phenomenal people. My wife being one of them. Let me give her that plug. Um, so my amazing wife is the vice president of the Brewers Guild, and. They are phenomenal at promoting the breweries within the L.A. area um, with events and, and benefits. And, and they're just tre- a tremendous asset for marketing and for bringing us all together and helping us all be a unified, you know, a unified group um, moving towards the same goals. We, we would be much, much weaker on our own. And we are a very cohesive, strong unit together. And so I'm very proud to be a part of that and very proud that my wife is part of that. And, and we'll, we'll always be, you know, we'll always be involved with the Guild. They're just a fantastic organization. Again, it's, I've said it every podcast so far, is that it comes back to the community thing of beer. Absolutely. People are looking out for each other. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's not dog-eat-dog. It's, it's, everyone's kind of got your back, and there's a Guild that has your back, and a homebrew. Then you got the big guys that are supporting the homebrew. It's, it's uh that's what took me from construction to beer, to be honest with you. I mean, construction's cutthroat. It's cutthroat as it gets. I mean, these guys are happily stab you in the back for an extra 20 bucks that they make for their boss. They don't even see a dollar of it themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and and, that's, and, and that's, that's truly it. It's, it's, it's gnarly out there. But craft beer is different. It's, uh, it's very collaborative. Um, and, and, and for the most part, everyone supports what you're doing, and you support it back. And, you know, you put out an email to the guild like, hey, man, I need a bag of grain, or I need – you know, 11 pounds of hops, who's got it? You're going to get an email same day and someone's there for you. You know, or, hey, my keg washer went down. Can I, can I take over, you know, 50 kegs of wash on your washer? Sure. And that's, that's something that's invaluable, you know, because, again, we're stronger as a group. We all succeed together. It would be a bummer if the cons- – and, and, and really craft beer is this. It's, 
having more choices for the consumer. We were all a consumer at one time going, man, I wish I had more choices. You know, screw this, this big beer stuff. I wish I had more choices. So now here we all are providing those choices. And it would be foolish of us to be selfish and say, nope, sorry, can't help you because I want to be the only brewery in L.A. Well, then we've turned a, a direction that, that, that goes in contrast to why we started this. And so the more we all stay true to why we started this whole thing, the better off we're all going to be together as a team and we all grow together. It's, and, it's, and that's what we've seen so far. It's fantastic. I, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I'm like speechless. That's really cool to, to hear your side of it and how passionate and supportive you are. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. It's humbling. Well, we're a success story, man. I mean, as far as that goes, it's like, you know, we, we quit doing what we were doing that we weren't happy with in order to do something we were happy with. And here we are. And I'm here to tell you, this is amazing. And, and I wouldn't change a thing. So that is something that I wish for everyone. I wish everyone had that opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not happy with this. I'm going to change direction. And then land on your feet in that situation and have tons of support and, and just start running. And, and that's something that, you know, is, uh, it's remarkable. It's, and it's not, it's not common. I realize that. We're very grateful. We, we spend our days counting our blessings, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, we are well along in this podcast. I got I to gotta start with my wrap-up questions. Okay. Um, the one I've been saying or I've been trying to say every podcast is, what is your favorite or your funniest beer story, or just one of the funniest or favorites ones that you have. Okay, so the funniest beer story involves this guy right behind me, Oscar. And you see, there's a picture of him that is a result of that moment <laughs> right there on the, on the cold box. It says, uh, wanted for making hazy IPA. And there's a picture of him with just, just beer, just beer all over him. And the story goes, uh, we, we were putting beer in a barrel that really wasn't ready to go in the barrel. It still had too much CO2 in it. And so as it goes into the barrel, it builds up pressure, and you're, you're moving it in with a bulldog that's, that's um, uh, closed off, and so it's building pressure. But it's a tapered seal, and so after enough pressure, the thing just pops. And as it did, it just blew foam beer just all over. I mean, it hit the ceiling. <laughs> and him and I are standing there on, or, or, on either side of the barrel, and this thing pops and covers both of us. And I'm like, man... We should know better. We should know better. And we both got a dose of hard reality in this moment right now. And so that happened. And I, I, took, I did a little lap around the brewery, just laughing, just trying to gain my composure again. Like, man, that was embarrassing. We come back. Bulldog back in. Okay, we're going to go at this again. The thing pops again. And it's all over the tanks. It's all over the ceiling. I mean, it, it, this thing pops and makes... A, it's, it's along the lines of, like, you've seen the... You've seen the video. There's a most recent one where the guy pulls the, the cap off the top of the tank and he pulls it off too aggressively with probably pressure in the tank and the thing is just erupting like a volcano. Yep, yep. It felt like that. It probably didn't really look like that, but it felt like that for sure because we're soaked. It happened a third time. <laughs> we're standing on both sides of that barrel and it happened a third time. And I'm just like, at this point, I'm just almost in tears. I'm laughing so hard like, okay. First time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. I don't even know what third time is. You know what I mean? <laughs> shame on everybody. I don't know what's going on here. But, yeah, we, we walked away from that day needing a shower and just laughing our butts off. And, uh, and so from that point forward, we make sure to flatten the beer out before it ever goes in the barrel because you're going to pay the price dearly. <laughs> that was a hilarious day, man. Oh, yeah. Let's bring an Oscar for this one. Yeah, we want to hear it. Regarding about that story about that story um the best part about that was the security footage we have oh it all on God. tape yeah it's hilarious because i'm just like standing over a barrel and you could see me get blasted 
all those three times. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like kind of, you know, I'm attached to the barrel at this point. And Brian's just walking around and you could see this massive laugh, you know, this, this, he's just laughing. Like, like he's heard the funniest joke in the whole world. And, uh, and yeah, that was, uh, but the security footage is way better than the story is. So if we, if we have a way to, to to broadcast that, (laughs) this needs to be on YouTube. So it can be shared a thousand times. Yeah. But you could see Brian just walking around laughing his ass off. Can I say, can I say that? Yeah. 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 yeah, You can say yes. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Wow. And so that's the, that's the funniest beer story for sure. And Samantha mentioned something about. There's been a couple of beer showers, which is why you guys installed like an actual an actual shower here. Yeah, and I was like, man, there's got to be some shit that's happened in here. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's bound to happen sooner or later. You just kind of lose track of where you're at and open up something with pressure, and it, it might be small, it might be big, but sooner or later you're going to get covered in beer. That's just part of working. But I tell you what, um, it, uh, it you, you used I used to dig ditches and you'd be covered in dirt, so I think I'd rather be covered in beer. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's a decent trade off, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um wow that's a good one um my face hurts from smiling (laughs) all right so let's end i guess the podcast with advice so what advice being in your role do you have for someone who wants to dive into the beer industry someone who is making kick-ass homebrew and wants to take it to the next level um what advice do you have for someone in those shoes okay so the strongest advice i could give anyone for that is to work in the beer industry it could be a massive pay cut it could be a complete change in lifestyle, but there is nothing more valuable than the time spent actually in a brewery doing the work because there's a phrase we have around here where it says, everyone want to be a brewer until it's time to do brewer shit. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the God honest truth, man. I can't tell you how many times you're like, okay, well, somebody's got to get in that tank and it's not an enjoyable time doing it, but that's what brewer stuff is, man. It's, it's like crawling underneath stuff and, and cleaning the stuff that nobody wants to touch and clean. And, and it's about like, well, you know, I'm, there's just no other way to do this, but we're going to have to like the valve that's on the tank is leaking. And the only way to fix it is to take that thing off and put a new one on and you're going to get, you know what I mean? Or, Hey, we, we need that thing that's in that tank and I'm going to have to go for it. So, you know, everyone wants to be a brewer until it's time to do brewer shit. And, and the, the most dangerous thing in the world is, you know, you're brewing beer at home for your best friends and everyone loves your beer. And like, yeah, you should open up a business. Like, cool, let's do that. No experience. And then you jump in, you're like, oh, man, this is, uh, this is serious. Yeah. This takes a lot of work. So I would recommend everyone, as a home brewer, number one, join a homebrew club. Get criticism. Make better beer. Learn how to make better beer. Invest in the key things. Invest in scientific instruments. Learn how to... Uh, analyze uh, your yeast health, uh, learn how to test for water, uh, get temperature-controlled fermentation, be a home brewer that models itself after professional brewing, and then after that, work in a brewery. And if after, work in a brewery for like a year, at least. Do every job you possibly can in a brewery. And if at that point you're still into it, then do what you can to open up a brewery. So we have a good friend of ours, uh, a couple good friends that have come in and worked with us, and they've they've gone away they come in going hey i'm gonna open up a brewery and they go away going you know i'm gonna do something a little bit different (laughs) and it's not that we've worked hard to chase them away but i think the the reality of it is it's a lot harder work than than people think up front uh it's one thing when it's a hobby in your garage it's a whole other thing when you do it every single day and you're 
family and your paycheck. It all kind of depends exactly. on Exactly. It all thing. depends on it, man. It's not just drinking beer all day. <laughs> that cold box, when you're working in there, it's cold. You spend an eight-hour day in there, you go, you know what? Maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> 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 or when you're, you're covered head-to-toe in, in, uh, in hop troube. You go, you know what? Maybe you know, I got another three hours of work that I got to do completely covered in hops. Maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the end, as long as you can find enjoyment in, in making something unique and interesting and something you poured your heart into and that's your art and you hand it to someone and they're smiling back at you. And as long as that means something, then everyone should get involved. Yeah. It's priceless at that moment. Absolutely, man. Nothing better than that. So that is an amazing note to end on. Um, so if someone wanted to grab a beer, get one of your guys' beers, or even get in contact with you guys, what's the best way to try one of your beers or even just to visit the brewery? So we are distributing from Bakersfield to downtown L.A. And in Southern California, it's a, that's a fairly large re- region. Um, and so any any place that, you, that anyone wants to go to within that region, if we're not there, ask for us, and then we'll, we'll surely be there soon. Um, distribution is very much a, a game of, you know, going into a place that people want your beer. And so if people are asking for it, then there, there you have it. It's great. We have probably between 170 and 200 locations a month that we service within that distribution area. And outside of that, we're selling beer on uh, craftshack.com. So anywhere where you can hit the Internet, you can find some of our packaged beers and cans uh, available for sale online. And you can find it there. And then that's growing as well. So, you know, um, the more people try it and ask for it, the the more we're going to be able to get it out there, and that's the goal, right? Awesome. So, and, and, yeah. and even if you listen to this podcast and you're out east, wherever you are, eventually you're going to end up in L.A. And oh, yeah. And <laughs> you just grab the beer then. Well, you know, and, and um, so, yeah, online, uh, in person here, if you want to get a hold of us, we got all the standard Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube channel, the whole deal. So, um, yeah, come hit us up on social media and, and interact with us. We're real people. We love interacting with people. Um, my wife and I are, are here with our kids typically most days and we're just real hardworking people just like everyone else and, and, and just love doing what we're doing and, and sharing that with other people just like now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And as always, if you guys want to check out the podcast, just Google Brewery Talks Podcast or get that wherever you guys listen to your podcast. Or if you want to reach out to myself, just uh, go to signsetuptraveling.com and reach out to us there. Lucky Loop Brewing Company, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you for coming, man. It's been a blast. This has been Amazing. Thank you for everything. (laughs) Right on. Thanks, man. Cheers, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. If you did, go give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast. And you know what? Maybe tell some friends. Come listen to it, too. Um, That'd be great. Cheers, guys.